0: and welcome back to another episode of Lessons in Product Management. I'm your host John Fontenot, and today we're going to talk about MVPs. Yes, I know what could possibly be said about MVPs that hasn't been said already. Well, hopefully we can shed some new light on the concept of MVPs and hopefully start a movement to start talking about it differently. That's my goal, and I hope you can help me with it. So, the, the funny thing about MVPs is how first releases have become synonymous with an MVP. But how many first releases have you seen that are able to stand on their own and sustain a business? I, I don't know of a single case. If you know of a case, email me at john at path to or send me a DM on Twitter at product font. I would love to hear the story of the product that in its very first release could sustain and grow a business. Because that's what viability means. Viability means that it can be sustained on its own. It's viable. It can live and breathe on its own, right? And first releases can rarely, if ever, do that. So what is the heart of an MVP, right? MVP became really popular probably before this, but especially with the lean startup movement where Eric Reese gave all kinds of great examples of what kind of minimum viable products we could ship but I would still argue those aren't viable. And in the way that he described them, they weren't even digitized products that involved code. right? Um, You think about like painted door tests, you think about concierge MVP, you think about Wizard of Oz MVP, those things aren't real. Those things can't stand on their own. Maybe they're enough to start generating some income that gets uh, venture capitalist interest and get you some, some backing so you can start growing a business. But it's not the product doing it, it's the promise of what the product could be that gets you the venture-backed funding, not the product itself. So still calling it a minimum viable product just sends the wrong message and has the wrong connotation. So I want to change that, and I think you can help me change that. I would love if we could change the talk from MVPs to MTPs, because really in the early days, that's what it's all about. It's about testing, and it's about learning. So a minimum testable product is what we should be going for in the first version of whatever it is that we're trying to build and solve for, right? If you wait until you have something that you think is a fully coded up minimum viable product with what you believe to be the features that make the product minimally viable, you're almost guaranteed to be wrong. There's so many assumptions you're making when you ship new products that way. One, you're assuming that you're correct about the feature set. You're assuming that you nailed the user experience. Even on the website, the navigation is your value proposition resonating with the problem that you're trying to solve, right? You haven't tested for any of that to this point. You're just shipping a product and hoping that people get it, right? And number three, you're assuming that you understood and framed the problem correctly. I've talked to so many startup founders whose startups have failed because they thought they understood a problem and they were trying to solve for it but they didn't frame the problem correctly or didn't fully understand it. And so they were only solving a piece of it. And for that product to eventually become viable, they needed to solve for the whole thing, right? So the biggest part about minimum viable products is that when you combine all these different variables together, you're leaving a lot of untested assumptions going into that first release, right? So when your product fails to get traction in that first release, you're left guessing why. It's, it's pretty analogous to A-B testing, right? In the same way that you don't test more than one variable change at a time in a true A-B test, because if you did that, you wouldn't know which variable created the desired behavior change or created the negative change, right? When, when you do that, when you ship first releases before testing the individual variables of that release, you're guessing, like you're left guessing what needs to be fixed. There's too many there's too many variables to say, oh, well, we're not getting users or we're churning at a high rate because of X, because you don't really know that it really just becomes a guess. And that's where people go down the path of calling it the scientific method of product management saying, oh, well, we have this hypothesis. Well, it's based on nothing. Right. So you need to have informed hypotheses, not just random ideas that you call a hypothesis that you go and test with really no direction. So if if you've read Lean Startup, you understand that you don't need to ship production code to test and learn right? and measure if we want to complete the trifecta. So before you ship new products to market, first you need to identify what assumptions you need to test. Did you understand the problem correctly? Did you understand it fully? Do you understand the breadth of who you're trying to serve, the nuances of the problem based on who you're trying to serve? Right, like those are just minimum assumptions, right? Um, what channels are you are you going to market this on? If you're a st- if you're a startup founder, like you have to consider the whole scope of not just a person and problem, but where, where how are you going to get this product to them once it's out, right? And and then like you have to break apart the different variables individually and test the most critical variables before bringing them all together for one launch, because then individually you can have an understanding of okay, I've tested X, Y, and Z variables separately on their own. I've de-risked them to an extent, but I know what questions I still have about these particular variables. And then you can start seeing how they, when they come together and you actually ship them together to, to market, you have more informed hypotheses of what's going on, whether good or bad, based on the individual testing of the individual variables, right? Again, whether it's on the product development side, on the marketing side, if you're in an established company that's trying to ship a new product to market, it obviously involves collaboration with your marketing counterparts and and others in your organization. But if you're a startup founder looking to launch a side project and doing something that's on your own or with just a couple of people, right? there's a lot larger scope of assumptions that you need to test. right? But it's amazing how much more actionable learning you'll get before users ever see the real product on a website or the, phys- the full physical product, it, it's, it's amazing how much better your results will be if you've actually done some minimum uh, testable products or some minimum testable variables, <laughs> MTVs, right? Um, but it, it's really about testing and learning and de-risking the assumptions you have and identifying what variables and what assumptions need to be tested before going into it. So let's shift the narrative. Let's stop calling it MVPs because the fact that they've gotten synonymous with the first is is become pretty ridiculous <laughs> in my opinion, to believe that a first release of a product could be viable on its own, especially when most of these quote MVPs are venture backed. And so it's not really the product that's viable, it's the appearance of viability because you have money that's coming in from something other than your users. So with that said, I'll get off my soapbox, um, but I hope you can help me start this movement of changing the narrative from minimum viable products with all the the wrong connotations that that brings. And let's start talking about minimum testable products so we can understand that our job is more about testing assumptions, de-risking our launches, and learning in the most informed and effective and efficient way that we can, because that's what's gonna to lead to actually viable products that we can build on, grow, sustain a business, and put ourselves in a very viable position to the market. So thanks for joining me today. I hope this uh, was helpful. Uh, this perspective changer was helpful for me as I was discussing with uh, some friends online earlier, this, this kind of epiphany came to me and uh, thought I'd share it with all of you. So I, I hope this helps and I hope this reframes how you think about shipping new products to market. And until next week, thanks for joining me on Lessons in Product Management.